Meet Your Maker makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry, and Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. This episode of the Flushman Dustin Podcast is brought to you by Hunt Ready. Reliable equipment driving inspiration in the outdoors. And all of their equipment is sourced and handcrafted here in the U.S. of A. Their mission is to build gear that's extremely durable, highly versatile, and ultra-light to further enable your journey into the field, regardless of where the road may lead. So be sure to go out and check out Hunt Ready at H-U-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. That's HuntReady.com. Hunters, welcome back to another Flushing and Dustin episode. Tonight we have Matt Fruge on. Fruge. Fruge on. Uh, out of, is it Nebraska, right? Yep. Yep. Nebraska. Uh, Sand Hills, yeah. Nebraska. Awesome. So uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation. I'm super stoked for it because he hunts a bunch of public land from horseback. Uh, and so I've, one, have never done that. And two, I think it's just awesome and totally different way of hunting. Uh, so super stoked to have Matt on. But Matt, if you could uh, introduce yourself and we'll take it from there. Sure thing. Um, so my name's Matt Fruge. Um, as you said, I live in, in Nebraska, sort of in the western central sand hills of Nebraska. Um, I'm originally from southwest Louisiana. That's why I have a bit of an accent and a, a French last name. Um, lived here up in Nebraska for the past five years, uh, hunted the sand hills the entire time. Um, primarily a bird hunter, as we've talked about, do some turkey and deer hunting, but yeah, largely a bird hunter. Um, this past season, as you said, uh, me and some buddies of mine started hunting pretty, um, pretty religiously from horses. Um, and so uh, that's been a really positive, fun experience. And, and um, yeah, I'm, interested, I'm, I'm anxious to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so you've only been hunting horseback, you said, for this past year, you basically got hot and heavy with it? <laughs> yeah, for the most part. So, um, so the last few years I've lived in Nebraska, I lived in, in town, um, in southern Nebraska. So, you know, the, the entire time I've lived here, it's sort of been my pursuit to be able to hunt off of a horse. So we moved up to a larger parcel of land um, back in 2020 which was, that was when we started keeping horses on the property. I've always had horses, we've always had them around, but I didn't have anything that I thought was um, handy enough to shoot a bunch around <laughs> and to ride into some of that country and, and ask some of the things I ask out of them. Um, but so we, we got horses back in 2020 um, that I started training on them. Um, and so that, that season, which would have been two years ago or two seasons ago, I spent a lot of time working with the horses, working with the dogs, uh, and sort of building up to confidence to sort of take them out into big country and hunt them that way. Nice. So what is the process like to get started hunting off of a horseback? 
so you didn't grow <laughs> up obviously with it right well so so in louisiana uh where i grew up we always had horses um we always worked cattle off of horses for the most part um and so I, i'm comfortable around horses uh we don't really have much of a bird population down there uh there okay. used to be quail my, my dad was a quail hunter growing up um we didn't really have those whenever i was a kid um they're coming back now there's some work being done down there but um <clears throat> we did we did a lot of things off of horseback we never really hunted off of them yeah. um it's hard to justify there and so you know it kind of goes back to you know the my first season hunting in nebraska which would have been 2017 um, my buddy and I, Aaron, who's, he's, if I'm hunting with anyone, 99% sure it's going to be him. Um, you know, he and I hunted sharptail up in the Sandhills in Nebraska, sort of that opening weekend. Um, and it was both of our first experience doing it. And I just remember looking over at him and we probably, I mean, we shot like shit, right? I mean, actually we shot like a two boxes of shells a piece, didn't kill our limits or whatever, but we, we killed some birds and, um, and I remember he looked over at me and he said, I just can't imagine this being any better. And I said, shit, it'd be better if we were on horses right now. Yeah. We walked 15 miles, you know, oh, all damn. sand hills. And um, and ever since then, it's just been that's that's what we were sort of trying to pursue. Um, but but to go back to your initial question, so how do you get back? How do you get into horseback hunting? Yeah. Or, or doing it the way we do it, I suppose. So obviously, um, you know, you need dogs and horses, right? Yeah. I believe, I think it would be sort of very difficult to do it realistically without pointing dogs um, because essentially the process then becomes following the dog. Uh, once that dog establishes point, basically dismounting from the horse, grabbing your gun and, and walking up and taking your shots. But, you know, so in, in doing that, you know, you're asking for, uh, for me particularly, I want a dog that covers a whole lot of country. I want a dog that's very steady. I want a dog that's very comfortable around horses. Um, I want, I, I need to be comfortable with a horse. Um, I need a horse that's once again, comfortable with dogs and comfortable with gunfire. And so, you know, you need, you know, my horse was, uh, he was a retired uh, mounted shooting horse. And so I knew he was gun broke. Yep. Um, and that was a big thing because I mean, the last thing you want, you know, I might be nine miles away from the truck a gun go off right by his head and I got a little walk back in, in spurs. Yeah. You know? And so um, I guess those are obviously the two most crucial parts, but you know, the things that are more time consuming, I think, are understanding your access opportunities, um, especially if we're going to be on public land, right? So, you know, a four strand barbed wire fence hasn't stopped anybody hunting on foot, you know, yeah. to cross yeah. over into a different spot. But now that you got a horse, well, you got to know where all your gates are and what your access is truly like. Yeah. Um, and, and you need a horse that's comfortable with a whole lot of things. You know, I tell everybody, even my horse, he's, he's pretty broke for most people, most yeah. of the time. But I mean, I was thrown off the saddle four times this past hunting season. Really? Still. I mean, it, it's just part of it, you know, <laughs> not necessarily because he did something wrong, usually because either I wasn't paying attention or um, he got into a bad spot or, I mean, the other day he bucked because he kicked a cactus up underneath his elbow. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you just got to kind of ride some of that stuff out here. Yeah. Um, and so so what it comes down to is is being confident on a horse, um, having a horse that's that's pretty steady, pretty bomb-proof, um, and having dogs that can perform under that. 
Yeah. Um, because the other thing too, is you're asking a lot more out of your dogs. Um, one thing that I've found is hunting off of a horse. Um, I'm traveling a lot faster. And so my dogs typically travel a whole lot faster. Right. So, so usually I don't know if you use a GPS unit, but yeah, just start for every mile. Oh, there you go. Yeah. For every mile I walk, my dogs do three. And that's a pretty standard for yeah. my dogs. That still holds true with a horse. Um, except they might be six, seven, eight hundred yards away from me, you yeah. know. And so, um, but they can see me from a lot further away. So a lot of the time they're confident enough to not have to return all the way back to me. Um, but those dogs have to be in really, really good condition, you know, yeah. to be able to make it work. Well, yeah, shit. I think I saw you post on your instagram what was a few days back or some how many miles your dogs did like 30 something miles or yeah whatever my, it was. My, my my youngest dog he's he's got a motor he did uh he did about 45 miles that day um my my second oldest my black and white one-eyed dog he did 37 or something like that and uh and my older dog that's a little bit i say older he's only six but um, he's my closer working dog. He did like 33 or 34 or something. Um, all in one big run. Dang, that is crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah how, that's a uh, lot so how, what's the speed that they're running at per se? Like how long does it take <laughs> them to cover? Does it take them to cover that many miles? No, that's a, that's a good question. I think that was a four and a half hour run. So Jeez. usually if you're monitoring their speed, you know, the way my dogs will travel, you know, initially they'll be traveling about 11 or 12 mile an hour. Um, after you get an hour or so under them, they'll go down to nine. Um, but it seems to be once you break over a 30 mile mark, they'll, they'll slow down to, you know, five or six. Yeah. So they, they, they slow. It's a, it's a, there's a point of diminishing return and it seems <laughs> to be around 30 miles. Yeah. That's a crazy amount though. Do you, uh, so when they're running these, long distances how many how many breaks are you giving them or are they just they're just going yeah they're just they're just kind of going um you know anybody who's been around pointers knows that you, you don't tell them when they're going to take a break you <laughs> yeah. know um I, you know I, what i try and do if if we're going on a big hunt i try not to run a dog over 30 miles a day um and if i can break that up into two or three different runs i do my best to um but you know it's hard to break up you know, three, it's hard to stop a hunt in an hour, right? Um, especially in the big type of country that sort of justifies their use. You know, I mean, you can go hit a pheasant spot for 30 or 40 minutes or something, but, you know, if we're running wide open and, you know, in Wyoming or in, in the Sand Hills or in South Dakota or something, well, we're, we're going to run them for a few hours. And, and so, you know, the, um, that's the interesting point is your commodity then becomes time, right? You're not, I, I know the effort my dogs are going to give. I can only restrict their energy by how much time I keep them on the ground, you know. Yeah, for sure. And so how long it's going to take them to get to that point. But so what a what's the process like to one, is there a certain breed of horse that you're looking for? Two, what's the if you find that breed? Obviously, yours was a retired uh horse that's been shot over multiple <laughs> no, he times wasn't, he he wasn't he he wasn't retired due to age he was retired yeah. due to temperament, temperament. Oh. <laughs> and, and so and, and that's a really good question um and so you know getting into this um we kind of looked at or i say 
I kind of looked at people who did similar things, right? So field trialers obviously use horses. Um, and they, they asked different things out of those horses. They, they would typically use Tennessee walkers. Um, for me um, and what we do where I live, most likely we're going to use quarter horses. And so quarter horses initially are bred to be quarter mile race horses. Um, but they're the sort of breed of choice for um, Western performance horses. And so for us, I'm not going to keep a horse that I can't work cattle off of. You know, they, they just have to have more than one job. And so things kind of worked out with this particular horse because, um, as I said, he competed in mountain shooting, or I'm sorry, mount, mounted shooting, uh, which is kind of an arena-based equestrian event. Um, and so I knew he was gun broke, um, but there are a lot of, I guess, he, he, he was, so he's still pretty fiery and bred pretty hot. Um, but yeah, so, you know, if, if someone were seeking out a horse explicitly for the purpose of hunting off of him, I guess there's... There's a lot of routes you can go. For us, like I said, the uh, quarter horses seem to be the best just because we get maximum performance out of them. Um, but, you know, a horse that's been exposed to gunfire is huge. I think if you can find that. Um, but, I mean, I guess you could probably make any horse do it. But yeah. um, it's just like a, it's like a dog, right? I mean, nobody wants a gun-shy dog. Nobody wants a gun-shy horse. Yeah. You know, if you spook a dog with a gun, uh, he ain't gonna buck you off and kill you, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a that's a really good question, really hard to answer, I guess. But quarter horses typically are what we use, um, no. just because we expect them to work cattle. I'm I'm a veterinarian, and uh, we do a lot of cattle work in my country, and so you know having a horse that I can use for multiple tasks is is kind of up my alley. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Did uh, so do you? um let's see how i want to so what's the so obviously for like gun dogs you have certain ways of um getting them gun broke right mm -hmm. what's that look like for a horse is it similar is it completely different no <laughs> you know it's not that dissimilar um i think you know, it's it's easier to ruin a dog than it is to ruin a horse. I, I really feel that way. Um, you know, one's a predator, one's a prey animal. You know, you can you can expose a horse enough to certain stimuli as long as it's not painful, uh, and they'll overcome any fear to it. Um, what seems to work best for us having one horse that's sort of already gun broke, um, and then using that horse to kind of calm any other horses that we need to shoot around as well. And so, um, you know, what, one thing I always want to make this distinction, we're, we're not shooting from the saddle either. Okay. Um, and so that's, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit different. You know, we can shoot off the ground. Um, it's a little safer for us, but you know, it's, it's, it'd be something very different asking for a horse to have a gun going off like right by their ear. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. For but, sure. you know, you look back just a couple hundred years ago, mounted cavalry, I mean, <laughs> You know, those, those guys in the, you know, World War One Civil War had guns going off on horses all the time, you know, yeah. but, uh, but they seem to be a little bit less sensitive to those things, as long as there's no major negative exposure. Yeah. Do you, uh, um, have you been bucked off on from any, like, oh, obviously you're not shooting on them, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the, when you get bucked off, have you been bucked off from like training um, issues, like? 
well, know, when you guys are training them to sure or like um, if what about if you do so let me ask you this question when if you're riding with your buddy adam is that correct or aaron, uh, aaron. aaron, aaron yeah. yeah so if, if you guys are out hunting together uh and let's say his dog goes on point are you both when you're approaching are you both getting off both your horses to make sure that one doesn't shoot and spook the other horse or you know something of <laughs> yeah. that nature no and, and yeah so typically if there's a shooting opportunity we're going to both hop off um i would say you know aaron and i are both pretty confident riders um i you know if, if say if i've shot my limit i'm probably not getting off the horse um just out of laziness more than anything else you know i mean anytime i've been thrown it's been it's it's never really been related to something um that occurred like in a hunting sense uh, so you know for instance right this was the first time this horse got me off of my buckskin i had a new pulling collar on him and and it was set a little bit too tight and so it's kind of pressed up into his carotid arteries a little bit and he's kind of a greedy pig and I hopped off to open a gate and he, he had his head down grazing for a little while. And so that, you know, that collar was pressing up into his carotid arteries. And so, you know, I was kind of pissy already because he was acting up. And I went and threw my leg over him and he picks his head up and blacks out, and, which is not terribly uncommon with horses. Yeah. He, he kind of lost himself. And so he goes down on the front end. And then when he kind of regains consciousness, well, he sort of breaks in two on me and, um, and I, I had him, I was so, unex, was so unexpected, you know, Yeah. I had him, to, but he threw his head back and caught me in the mouth, and then I just kind of bailed off of him. Um, and so that was one scenario, I've had a scenario where we're kind of walking through a sand pit in the, in the sand hills, not thinking anything of it, and he just decides he wants to roll, and so <laughs> he goes to lay down and roll on me, so I had to kind of bail off of him there. As I said, that cactus got thrown up under his elbow, and he got the bucking then. Yeah, um, I rode him out that time, but a little while later, he got me off successfully. <laughs> but I mean, so, some of the problems is that we ride kind of half-assed, broke, ranchy horses. But yeah, <laughs> that's probably not everybody's problem. But um, uh, you know, funny. it's 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 that kind of thing. I mean, it's it's never something. You know, the, the, so like with this horse, he was exposed to guns, but you know, there's a lot more than just gunfire that they've got to be okay with. And I remember the first time a covey of grouse flushed out from you know, just like 20 yards away from him. I mean, he jumped about eight feet sideways with me, you know, never yeah. saw it coming. Yeah. yeah. Just, we, we just had to kind of get over that hurdle, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just, you know, we don't always got guests do it the absolute safest way, but you yeah, know, it's, down, right? uh, that's the way it happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, how many guys, are you, how many dogs are you guys running at a, at a time when you're hunting? So I've only got my three. Um, okay. My buddy Aaron, who hunts with me quite a bit, as I had said, he's he's got one cocker spaniel that just kind of, you know, runs under the bellies of all of our horses until one of the dogs goes on point. Uh, my my other buddy Grant, he's got four dogs; they're all Britneys. Um, and then my other buddy Trevor, who came with us on a quail hunt down in Kansas, he's got five GSPs. So, nice. you know, at any given time, you know, we try. I, I I always think three dogs is kind of the maximum I want on the ground. You yeah. know, as much as I can do, I I try not to run more than two of mine at a time. Um, you know, our dogs get kind of competitive as a yeah. lot of dogs do. But, yep, uh, that makes sense. 
but there's and there's always the screw it strategy where we just put all 19 dogs on the ground yeah. and see whatever happens happens you know yeah that's Which we, we'll get into that too but yeah what uh yeah just talk about that how what is what's what's it like 19 freaking dogs running <laughs> well I mean, and i exaggerate it's 10 dogs you know, whatever it is oh it's you know it's hectic um it's and that's you know i'm sure you're familiar with that's that's the common last day of the last yeah. day of the hunt strategy right yep just, just let, let everybody, everybody go, go. Yeah, just digging out all the collars you can find um and it's i mean it's good and bad that's when dogs start to get kind of pushy with each other but <laughs> you know the, the the challenge we get into particularly like wyoming um is water just okay. carrying enough water um you know, it's hard enough to carry it in your pack. You can carry it on the saddle, but it's hard to balance it you yep. know, totally perfectly. And so, you know, part of the reason I don't believe in running more than two of my dogs at a time is I, I just can't physically find a way to carry enough water to kind of keep their motors going. You yeah. Know? Um, How much water are you usually carrying? You know, probably, you know, a half a gallon is probably what I stick with to a gallon. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got one of those Oh, Hydra Pack makes them. I can't remember how big it is, but it might actually be closer to a gallon. I yeah. think it's, um, no, it's three liter or something like that. Yeah. Okay, I'll throw that over behind my can on my saddle. Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of keeps you going for a ways. But, you know, there's just so much shit. You kind of got to carry around when you got dogs, yeah. you know? Yeah, no shit. It's a lot you, to uh, throw in a saddle. So do you travel around a lot with the horses and the dogs to hunt? Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. So, you know, I've got <clears throat> where I live, we've got, you know, we got a ton of prairie chickens at my house. Yeah. And so I've got permission on the ranches around my house to hunt. Um, sharp tail, you know, I'll usually go up a little bit further north um, on the public land there. You know, my, my absolute favorite hunt, I'm already excited about it, is hunting sage grouse. Yeah, we're doing Wyoming. that this year. Oh, yeah. Wyoming. Yep. Oh, man. Is it your first time? Yeah, first time. Oh god! I don't even it, know what it, to expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't expect anything. You yeah, know, it's uh, I you know the first time I ever went, I think it was 2018, and uh, yeah, we had no idea what we were doing, and and we get out there that first day, and um, Aaron gets into a group of kind of some juvenile birds, and he shot, yeah, he unloaded his gun three times or <laughs> something like that, shooting at him, and killed two, and I should have killed five or six, and I just. I mean, the limits too. Let me yeah, stress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I missed openly, terribly a bunch of times, and I was just sick with myself and so mad at him. You know, because yeah. he, you know, we were both bad shots at at, at least at that time. But, um, but you know, we found some success after that. And, um, I mean, it's just we go back every single year. It, yeah. it is my absolute favorite hunt. Absolute favorite hunt. It, what's it like traveling with? I mean, I'm only used to traveling dogs. What's it like traveling with your horses? <laughs> well, you know, obviously it involves a, a trailer and for us diesel pickups, you know. Um, <laughs> so so I'll, I'll tell you kind of, so last year we went, um, we went to Wyoming. This year we're going to go for like a five-day extended trip okay. to Wyoming. Um, and, and so I've got, obviously I've, I've got a gooseneck horse trailer. Yep. Um, it's really a three horse. It's got a tack room up front. Um, you know, you gotta, it's <coughs> just like the dogs, you gotta bring food and water, right? Yeah. So with my horses, I know they're gonna drink, if we're working them a decent amount, they're gonna drink at least five gallons of water a day. 
so that's something you have to accommodate. You know, they're going to eat a, a, a couple cups of feed and, um, you know, probably a, a half a bale of hay per horse per day. Um, yeah. Maybe not quite that much, kind of depends. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, my dogs, the three of them drink about five gallons of water a day and a horse drinks about five gallons of water a day. And Dang. so, you know, accommodating that's one thing. La last year where we went, part of the reason we chose where we were at was there's there's a set of corrals on public land in that area okay. that the local ranchers used to sort of round up and sort calves off of. And so there was kind of a ready-made facility for me to be able to just throw a horse into. Yeah. Um, this next year, we're not going to have that same luxury where we're going. And so we're bringing an actual portable corral um, to set up to house the horses. And so okay. that's part of it too. We got to strap those on the sides of the trailer. <laughs> And obviously you gotta you gotta think about the stuff for you too. You know, yeah. so we'll stay in a canvas wall tent, you know, and out in Wyoming, you know, the first year we ever went, the highs were 97. And so we <laughs> the next year we just we we're like, well, we're bringing short sleeve t-shirts yeah. and shorts and stuff. And that next year we go back and I tell you what, every morning we're breaking ice off of the dog water. Oh, damn. It was 20 degrees. Jeez. You know, so yeah, you gotta be a little bit prepared for everything. Yeah. And um, but no, the, I mean the horses obviously. You know, you've got the horse itself. You know, you've got a 1,200-pound animal that you've got to move around. Are you only bringing one horse? No, I'll probably bring three uh, okay. to Wyoming. For me, it'll, it'll be my two horses, one for me, one for Aaron. Uh, and then my buddy Trevor's going to bring one of his horses that he'll okay. just throw in my trailer, too. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's those three animals plus all their feet, you know, means of acquiring water. Yeah. So, Man. I mean, there's it's it's involved, man. It is, yeah. Is your uh, does a horse trailer does that have water tanks on it that you're so able to the, travel with? So I put a water tank in mine. Okay. Um, it's only got a 35 gallon water tank. So I mean, I, I should be able to refill it every other day or so. I think yeah. I'll be able to get by if we're using it to shower with and wash stuff off. I mean, you know, I, I think every other day I, we could probably refill it in a creek or something. Yeah, non potable. What's a, what's it like? I mean, so when you go to a new public land spot with your horses, what type of scouting are you do, or what are you using to guide you through the land? I mean, obviously, like you said before, you know, you got to worry about fences, you got to worry about that stuff. How are you, how are you navigating and overcoming those obstacles? Have you ever wanted to process your own wild game from start to finish? Meet Your Maker has you covered. Mead makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Mead only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup, guaranteeing you the best price. Mead also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry. And Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. Sure. So um, so I use Onyx. Like yep. I'm sure most of your listeners probably do. As far as for knowing what to access, um, mostly what I hunt, I have familiarity with already. Okay. And so I, I kind of know where my fences are. I kind of know where all my gates are. But I still explore new areas without um, without any prior knowledge, too. And so, you know, part of it is, um, 
you know, I understand range management fairly yeah. well being, being a vet, a, a, you know, cattle specific vet. And so I kind of, you know, I can, I, knowing the area, I kind of know what size allotments I can expect. Right. So I, if based on the, based on, you know, where we are in Nebraska, I have an idea of how big a pasture is probably going to be on okay. public land. I know yeah. what size those allotments typically are. And so, you know, I just kind of have to know, well, you know, as I'm going out there, I'm making note of gates. Um, a lot of the time I'm sort of following those dirt roadways um, that lead to water tanks. That's kind of an important thing too. Those all have gates associated with them, obviously too. And so just kind of navigating it in the best way that you can, knowing the way ranchers use those areas. Um, now out in Wyoming, I mean, it's, it's a free for all, you know, yeah. I mean, you never know how big those pastures are going to be necessarily, you know, you can't really see fence lines all that well on on x even and so you just gotta you kind of gotta wing it the best yeah. way that you can yeah what's a what's probably like one of the hardest hurdles or uh the probably the toughest thing maybe that you've had to learn starting riding on horseback and hunting uh that you've had to overcome to get like to where you are now of pretty comfortable with it it sounds like and sure. successful no. is a big thing that's that's a great question. Um, yeah, a couple things. I, I think. <coughs> sorry, I picked up a cold. Oh no worries. <coughs> uh, you know, one of the first things that I had to figure out was, but the, the like the process, right? Is start to finish. You know, dog goes on point. Then what, right? You know, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, this if this horse spooks, I'll never find him. You know, yeah. and I, I never get back to the truck. And so it's, it was, okay, well, I know I don't want to shoot on the horse. And specifically in Kansas, it's illegal to shoot off of a horse. You can hunt off of a horse. You can't shoot off of a horse. I know I got to get off of this horse. Um, but then what, right? Well, first my thought was, okay, well, I'll just, I'll have hobbles. And, I, and my horses all need to be hobble trained. And a hobble yeah. basically means you just tie their front legs or side legs together, right? Okay. That you just strap their front legs together and they can't move. Well, you know as well as I do. I don't know if you've hunted grouse or sharp tail or any of that before. Um, they can be a bit jumpy, you know. So like the idea of hopping off, grabbing hobbles and tying his yeah, legs yeah. up, then grabbing a gun. It's I mean it's it's you know it's being pretty optimistic that they're still going to be there whenever I get done. So. Like that wasn't a terribly feasible strategy in my mind. Um, I I knew, you know, I couldn't train a horse to ground tie. Ground tie meaning, let's like wool train in a dog. Okay. You just kind of wool a horse and walk off and they stand still. Um, that can be a little unreliable too, right? So that horse can still decide he wants to leave. Um, and at the same time, if you're if you're chasing some running birds or something, you know, I don't want to be 300 yards over here and my horse is like on a ridge over there. Yeah. You know, it's nice to have that horse follow me. And so there's a specific rain setup that's it's kind of a buckaroo rain setup. It's called Makati reins, um, which basically you have loop reins and, and then you wind up with this long lead that I can then tuck into my belt. Oh, nice. And so I train my horses off of that. Uh, and that way I can just drop my reins over my, my saddle horn, hop off. I keep in placement of the, of the gun as a part of figuring all that out, right? I ride with it under my left knee um, so I can hop off, drop my reins, grab my gun, start walking. And that horse, there's a rein attached to his bit. 
in my belt and he follows me wherever I go. Um, and that's been, that, that was a real hurdle to overcome. Yeah. Figuring out sort of how to functionally use my tag um, to keep a horse with me um, and have some security there. Yeah. No kidding. Cause I imagine they could be like a, like a dog per se, you know, if they're, they get spooked or some reason a gunshot goes off and they want to take off and you don't have anything there to stop them or, you know, at least like with what you have now, it gives them that, you know, if, if they try to move something, at least it's tugging on, I think you called it their bit or whatever, you know, to make sure that they're following in line with you, kind of like a, a lead leash, you know, on, on a dog, but it's very similar to that. Um, And so it's not, you know, it's not knotted into me. You know, because yeah. then if he still decides <laughs> to bail, you know, I'm not going to stop him. You know, yeah. He's just going to drag my butt through the sand hills and cactus, you know, all the way back oh, to the tree. Man, that but, sense. but you know, he's still, there's a little bit of resistance there. He respects that. My mayor yeah. respects that. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, say my buddy Trevor, the first time he really hunted, well, he, he hunted with me uh, up in the sand hills once, and then we hunted down in Canvas, Kansas. He's still trying to kind of figure out that best rain setup, and you know he he doesn't like Makati rains. He's you know, he's trying to figure out where he wants to put his gun, and and everybody's preference is slightly different there too. Yeah. You know, um, some guys like to ride with it up in front of them, um, and I found that to be a real impediment to rain management. You know, and every time I turned my horse to the right, he'd catch that stock and. Uh, here we go. It's getting Western again. You yeah, know, yeah. Doesn't like that. And so um, I, I had always thought, well, if I could kind of grab that gun and unsling it as I'm dismounting, that'd be kind of perfect, right? Guns in my hand. I'm on the ground. I can shoot quick. But in reality, it's like, no, just pop off, get that gun out, load it, you know, and walk up and shoot. And so, I mean, as that as that goes, we, we basically hunt with all over-unders too, because okay. that tends to lay the best up underneath your leg. Yep. And so that's a, that's a part of it too. But um, yeah, figuring out where that gun goes and figuring out what your range setup is and, and the entirety of the process, you know, that was, honestly, that was the biggest hurdle. You know, the ho- horses and dogs have some kind of weird, like natural connection. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to explain. But they, like they just, they tolerate each other really well. Yeah. Um, but, but figuring out exactly like the logistically what's going to occur when you, have a dog established point and then you're shooting your gun and then you're getting back on that horse. That's yeah. the part, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out the mechanics of it. Yeah, for sure. Did you have a, I can't remember if you said this, but <clears throat> did you have a mentor at all to teach you, like to give you information to get started on horseback <laughs> hunting or like, you, no. know, you, you said you went out and then you're like, this would be awesome on horseback. And then it's like, <laughs> And then just sped towards this conclusion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you know, I as I said, I, I'm a veterinarian. I work, um, I work almost exclusively with feedlots okay. um, in Nebraska, Iowa, South Dakota, Wyoming, Kansas, Colorado, and so every single day I work with guys who are cowboys, guys and gals. Yeah. Um, like I mean that, and that is their job description. I mean they work off of a horse seven days a week and so you know i work with enough people who have enough understand i totally my computer shut off for some reason oh no uh you you were talking about uh having (laughs) the cowboys and the um they're riding seven days a week 
and gotcha. you're just yeah they so they were able to give me a lot of sort of non-specific advice in regards to training horses and using tack but you know my, my dad hunted a little off of a horse when he was younger but to, to say that there was any guidance out there specific i don't think a lot of people do this man like i really don't think there's <laughs> I don't a lot think of guys so out either. doing this i mean you are literally <clears throat> i said i came across your your profile and i was like you know the only people that i know that do anything on horseback or field trialers sure um, you know that but i never have been able to talk to someone that actually does it on public land and has yeah. success with it you know and <laughs> whatnot so i think it's it's crazy awesome that that you're able to to do that and to you know one have success with it and know what you're doing like i've rode a horse like five times in my life i have no <laughs> idea what the heck i'm doing you know like but it'd be fun to watch like i think it'd be it would be awesome you know, to to be that hot like one <laughs> how, how high do you think you are probably like eight feet yeah, probably a little over You know, having like that vantage point and the terrain that you can go through and like. Well, you, you, you cover ground so effectively. Oh, and, yeah. And I, I feel like my dogs hunt differently. Um, they're more efficient with the way that they cover ground. They can see me from further away. And it's like, the, you know, the sound of you know much about the sand hills or, or if your listeners have hunted there much. I mean, it's pretty rough country you know it's getting close to like the bad like the yeah it'd be sort of south of the badlands and yeah. i mean we've got it's it was it's active sand dunes grass yeah. covered sand dunes and so i mean it's you're either going up or going down i mean it's there's no flat ground and so you know with with my dogs you know it's not uncommon to have a point five to 800 yards away you know, and in that kind of country, you know, it's the idea of walking all the way over there. I mean, of course, you're going to do it, but, you know, is that dog still going to be on point? Is that bird still going to be there when I get there? Well, 600 yards away, you know, I could kick that horse into a lope. We're going to get there quick. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? nice. And so, and like, when we hunted sage grouse in Wyoming, which this past year, I was the only one horseback in Wyoming last year. Um, you know, I would go out in the morning. And, um, and I, I kind of think, I don't want to advertise this too much, hunting sage grouse off a of horseback, I think is a cheat code. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's that like, there is a synergy to that that is unique because yeah. I have never gotten on birds like I did this last year. And, and those birds, they, they run a lot more than you really think they do. They cover yeah. a lot of ground. And when you're on top of them as fast and hard as you are when you're on a horse, I mean, it just... It, it really works well. But anyway, so I'd, I'd sage grouse hunt in the morning and then, you know, take my saddle off and then I'd go put a different pair of pants on and go climb the mountains and hunt blue grouse in the afternoon, fresh as a daisy, yeah, you know, because yeah. my legs weren't worn out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could walk. It's like I'd cover 40 miles a day, you know, between my yeah. legs and the horse. You know, it's just crazy what you can accomplish. That you know? is awesome. How fast are you, are your horses walking when you're in a hunt? That's a that's a really interesting question. So a person walks two to four mile an hour, probably. Yeah. A horse walks honestly, maybe three to five miles an hour. Honestly, not a lot faster. Okay. But they don't stop yeah. and they don't slow down. And if we're going uphill, 
most of the time that horse is going to kick into either a trot or a lope. And so we're traveling faster over hills than we would on foot. Yeah, and so it's, sure. it's not so much that it's a constant speed thing. It's, it's more of a consistent, we're traveling at this pace and we're not going to slow down for anything. Yeah. Whereas if you're just walking with your buddies, you're going to stop and kind of yeah. bullshit. Go on back hurts. <laughs> stop and complain for a little while. Yeah. yeah. There's none of that. That horse never stops moving. Yeah. That's awesome. How do you, uh, how do you control your dog's, Obviously, you have the collar, but do you, is that what you specifically use to control your dogs from the horseback? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I never got into the whistles um, like a lot of guys do. Yeah. Um, mostly, so, you know, my, I, I run all Gorman systems. Um, my dogs basically, the only commands I really train heavily on my dogs is a recall and a woe. Um, and, and then over time, I kind of teach them, I, I can, I'll, I'll morph, I'm, I'm not a very good trainer, but I'll sort of morph that recall into a directional command. Okay. And so basically, you know, those Gorman systems, you've got a beat on that collar. And so, you know, I'll hang my, my transmitter off of my waist. And so I'll just kind of press a button and beep them. And that, and that beep ultimately just means kind of key on me, yeah. right? It means we're changing directions. You're either coming back to me or on the way back to me, you're going to recognize we've changed directions and I'm going to sort of reorient you in another direction based off of the, wherever the horse is kind of pointing. And so as far as commands go, you know, they're usually outside of vocal range. And so it's exclusively going to be off of a beep. You know, I'm, I'm going to stem them if they're not listening or disobeying commands, but I'm not going to lay heavily into them with electricity. I don't really yeah. believe in that either. But No, I agree. Um, but I, I do use it. And if they're close enough, I'll use vocal commands. Yeah. You know, I'll, uh, I'll woe them, you know, if, if we're getting up onto a point or if they're, if I see them flush something, you know, obviously that's, that's different, but yeah, but yeah basically it's all vocal and, and cueing off of that beep on that collar. Yeah. No, that's pretty awesome that you're able to, <clears throat> I think it's cool to think, you know, that dog's out 800 yards, you know, and, you're covering, you know, like I said, potentially 40 miles a day to think that there's that much public ground that you can like cover you. It doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, you're out in Wyoming, like I said, dogs out there, 800 yards. You don't even have to worry about if there's roads or no. highways or anything, you know, and like, man, that's pretty, that's pretty freaking awesome. Well, when for us, you know, it's, um, it's like, you, you gotta, you, we kind of always toe the line between like, like experiential and like pragmatism, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's it's easy to, like this whole time I didn't want to say, well, I don't want to be hunting off a horse because really I just want to be riding a horse. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I had to find in, in my mind for myself, I had to make this thing practical, right? I had to make it actually sort of benefit the hunt, not just improve the experience for whatever reason. And you know, I think we've, I think we've really captured that yeah. Um, yeah. for the most part where it's like, no, actually, I prefer to be on a horse um, because I can cover more ground because my dogs are more receptive to it. You know, yeah. there, there are certain environments where it's unrealistic. Like I don't really pheasant hunt. I have no intention on pheasant hunting off of a horse, yeah. although there are areas I probably could. It just doesn't make a ton of sense, right? Yeah. 
you know, whereas the prairie grouse for us, chickens and sharp tail and sage grouse, man, absolutely perfect. Quail, particularly in Kansas where we go, makes a ton of sense, you know. Yeah. But I'm, I don't want to be sitting there like duck hunting out of a saddle yeah. just to prove anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But but that's been important to me also is, is being able to make sure it's actually it benefits the hunt and doesn't just you know add something different into the experience. Yeah. Do you do much hunting outside of horseback now that you got into it? So this past year it was probably I, I probably hunted horseback sixty percent of the time I guess if I had to say I did a little deer hunting off a horse too just because yep. I think it's important to expose the horse to everything rifle fire also. Um, but as I said, if I'm going to go pheasant hunting, I'm probably not going to take a horse. Yeah. Um, as it gets later in the year, you know, if I was hunting prairie chickens, um, I would use a horse, but in a different way, if that would make sense. Like I, I, instead of wearing my riding boots, I'd wear hiking boots on the horse and okay. I would hobble the horse. And so I would go out and kind of travel um, and just kind of expect the horse to stand there. Um, one thing, snow kind of introduces a different challenge also. You know, if you're on a snowy hillside, um, you run quite the risk of slipping and falling. Yeah. Um, you know, horses will get, they'll get that snow kind of caked up in their hooves and they get real slippery, especially on side hills. And so, you know, you kind of got to know when to abandon it, you know, and where you can be. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important to do all of it. I, yeah. You know, I, I, I love the athletic pursuit of hunting. Um, I, I, you know, I did a half marathon this past weekend. Nice. You know, I, I, I like being in shape too. And particularly hunting in the Sandhills, man, like you stay in shape, <laughs> you know. Um, and now kind of doing it off of a horse a lot of the year, you sort of, it's easy to kind of get sort of fat and sassy <laughs> and lazy, you know. And so yeah, I, I still do think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of value in being athletic. You know, and I don't want to, I don't want to lose that entirely because, well, now I've kind of got this, you know, this hoverboard, I can just hop on and yeah, make yeah. life easy for me. But, uh, but I, I, as I said before, it's, there are times, and I really think sage grouse is one of those things where being on a horse is just, it, it really does make you more successful. Yeah. I mean, I, this, this last year, you know, just, to just briefly talk about it. You know, I've been wanting to kill a bomber. That's sort of been my thing. Uh, and I know it's a lot of people's things, right? Everybody wants to kill a big sage grouse yep. man. And uh, and we had only ever seen one before <laughs> where my buddy Aaron had kind of kicked one up and sort of missed a couple times. And, and you know, it's funny, if, you, if you've never been around him much, you know, you'll go out there and think like, well, I hope if a, if a male gets up, I hope I can like recognize it and, and I hope I can hit it, you know? And it's like, when one gets up in front of you, there ain't no mistaking what it is you know yeah. i mean it's like a turkey you know they're huge but anyway um this last year towards the end of september we we're gonna we we're planning kind of half planning to go out there because my son my, my first child was born at the beginning of september totally didn't calculate that right but um we're we i, I didn't know for sure if i was going to be able to go and like kind of at the last minute i just like threw a horse and the dogs and threw all my crap in the trailer and I was like, I'm going to drive out there Friday and I'm going to drive home on Sunday. You know, that's, I mean, it was, it's a six and a half hour trip if you ain't pulling the trailer. Yeah. But um, so we, I, I take off that morning, head out there and, and I had two goals, man. I was, and this was the first time I really hunt. I was really hunting off of a horse in a serious fashion. 
And uh, I was like, I got two goals, man. I want to get that bomber, which I never had even come close to. And I want to hunt these things off of a horse. And as I'm driving out there, I'm like getting up to the camping spot. And, and there was enough daylight to hunt, but there wasn't really enough time. Like I, I needed to set up camp and stuff, right? I didn't have enough daylight to hunt and do that. And I'll be damned if I didn't see just these two big bombers strutting across the road. And so I pulled off, and we're on public land. I pulled off. They they kind of wander off into the sagebrush, and I grab my gun and go run out there and flush one and shot it, and bang, I got my bomber. I ain't even started <laughs> hunting yet, you know? And uh, just it, not the way you want to do it, but, you know, it's a bomber. I, it's, I just, yeah. you know, what I was after. And, you know, that next morning, we I, I saddle up, and I'm I'm out hunting. You know, within an hour, I shot my limit off of two different points. No, I shot a double. I shot a double off of my point, one of my dogs pointing, and shot a limit of blue grouse in the mountains that afternoon. And then that next morning, 40 minutes, had both my dogs pointing, shot my limit again, you know. Um, and, it, you know, it's not, it, you know, it's like you're to, I'm to the point now where I don't need to kill any more sage grouse. You know, yeah. that's not really the point. But my gosh, I was just all over him with that horse. It was just, it was, it was amazing, man. I, I think everyone should experience that at some point. Yeah, know. that is crazy cool. Do you remember how far like you traveled those days on the horse, if you recall? Oh, you know, I didn't hunt, but more than a couple of hours. So probably, I think I did 10 or 15 miles just yeah. in a few hours, nothing major. Yeah. It's all flat ground. Yeah, you kind of, not every horse is going to want to travel through sagebrush very well. So there was some spurring and some fighting that had to happen to, <laughs> to get us to move through it at times, you know. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did, not not too, too terribly for. I mean, the dogs traveled quite a ways, yeah, yeah. you know. That's awesome. That had to be pretty cool, though. So were you, did, were you by yourself on that trip? So my buddy Aaron and his brother came out, but we, but I only brought, they the were the, horse. Yeah, that's right. They were the, they hunted they on foot. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and they're jealous of me, man. Cause oh, I come back into camp and Hey, let's, let's go up into the mountains. And they're just like, man, I just want to eat a sandwich and lay down for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, no kidding. But it's, it's, it's great, man. I mean, y'all are going to have a great time. I, I love it out there. I'd live yeah. out there. There are feedlots out there. But, yeah. I, like I said, we, we finally just started, wanting to go to like different states and exploring more and i mean iowa only has so much to offer you know <clears throat> there's not besides pheasants you know and and the landscape isn't i mean it's cool but isn't the it isn't wyoming montana you know it's it's it is it's different I yeah mean, it's there's there are years there's a lot of quail and pheasants out there you know yeah. I've, I've got some clients out in iowa that a couple years ago man you know anytime they're they're cutting uh or or harvesting corn they're just flushing covey after covey of quail you know Jeez. but it is different i mean it's heavily agriculture corn yeah. to corner there yeah for sure have what's, you guys hunted nebraska at all yet uh no we're doing kansas this coming year uh and then i think we're gonna do nebraska probably next year the following gotcha. year. so we usually try to do just one to two trips a year um nick the he's not on tonight but he has two young daughters and uh so it's just you know respecting to his wife yeah. to not <laughs> leave for weeks on end and i can relate yeah so so yeah, yeah. we're we're doing a uh, wyoming uh right away 
when it opens and then uh, Kansas we're doing I think in like December time frame yeah, so that should be pretty good um, but yeah we will definitely want to get out to Nebraska sometime what part of the state are you so Sandhills, right? You're way out. Is yeah. that way west, northwest? Sort of, sort of western central. Um, okay. So if you know where North Platte's at, I live. I live like 30 miles, sort of northeast of North Platte. Yeah. Um, so kind of like dead, almost dead center of the state. If you had to kind of pick a spot. Okay. Um, that's cool. kind of where I'm at. And so where where we are, you know, we it's it's neat. We actually, I don't know, if they we have the Upland Slam thing yep. in Nebraska with the four birds. Um, you know, the ranch is around my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every year is, is like I, this this last year. I actually didn't, didn't shoot any quail in Nebraska, though. Um, I did most of my quail hunting in Kansas. Okay. <clears throat> when the drought, our numbers were down. It just Where I hunt them at, I didn't have a lot of success. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I did the, the pre three previous years or whatever. Nice. But, um, but, yeah, on the ranch, you know, on the ranches around us, we've actually got all four species there. I've shot, I've shot one of everything within five miles of my house, which which is really interesting. Um, that they all kind of sort of cohabitate yeah. the same places. That's know? pretty awesome, though. Oh, it's great, man! Having it's, that access really that close. Yeah. Well, you know, it's yeah in the this time of the year, um, especially in another month or so. So I've got a I've got a prairie chicken leg, like where the males oh, all nice. Bay, uh, about two hundred yards from my house. Like on like uh, on a hill across the road from my, my my house is on a hill, and then there's this other hill where you know I can watch them all kind of. And there's like 17 of them that like dance oh, up. Oh man! And so you know any any day, any morning, any afternoon, you can hear them booming. And then in, when you, when we get into June, you can hear quail whistling in my backyard. Oh man! You know? So uh, it's it's just the coolest place in the world. You can hear quail and prairie chicken and. You, know, you drive up the road, probably find some sharp tail, you know, drumming and um and turkeys everywhere, you know. It's just yeah, that's kind awesome. of thing there. But uh I, I just love Nebraska. It's yeah, you know, we've got a lot of opportunity there. But uh what what part of the state roughly are you going to? Uh, in Kansas, we're going to um it'll be it's like the northwest part of it. Um, gotcha. it has the most public ground access sure. there. Um, yeah. got, a, got a couple tips from some, some guys on like some decent towns to stay by and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I can't think of the towns right off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, it's about from, so Nick lives in Des Moines and it's about, I think it's about four and a half hours, five hours from, oh, that's not so bad. yeah, so it's, so it's not bad at all. Uh, I live about an hour and a half further from him, so that's not a bad travel at all. But uh, we're gonna, yeah, we want to definitely try to get some sharpies or you know get into some quail out there and whatnot. Yeah, no sharpies there, but they, there'll probably be some in the northwest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. some prairie chickens. Yeah, yeah, um, some prairie. I've chicken. got a prairie chicken mounted in my house that I shot kind of north of St. Francis, kind okay. of in the extreme northwest. Nice. Out there, but yeah, great, great bird numbers for the most part. Yeah, yeah, really so, neat place. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Like I said, it's always fun getting on different species and whatnot. Oh, um, yeah, so, um, awesome. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I don't want to cut it off, but Just we usually try to keep it for an hour. 
Um, yep. And man, I had a ton of fun. This is great hearing more about hunting horseback and uh, definitely who knows. I, when, when are you going out to Wyoming? Do you know? Yeah, we're going out. So the sage grouse season opens on the 17th and extends yep. to the end of the month. I think we're going to head out there probably on the 17th or 18th. Yeah, we'll be there um, too. And we're going to stay kind of that whole week. Um, what what area are y'all going to roughly roundabouts? Uh, let me pull up my Onyx quick. I, I don't want you to give away your spots or anything. Yeah. Are, you, are y'all uh, going explicitly for sage grouse then or yep. anything? Else? Yeah, I think, I mean, we'll do sage grouse uh, and see how that goes like in the mornings. And then sure. uh, we'll be not too far away from some blue grouse habitat too, from what I uh, gotcha. gather based on uh, location. Let me pull this up quick. Um, so it's Lander is probably one of the closer towns. Looks like. No, we'll be we'll be over around Lander too. Yeah. I can send you the more of the location. Yeah, no, off, it, yeah, off, it, off, off air. Yeah, off air, off yeah. air. Yeah, and there's there's a few more species to hunt around that area that we'll be trying to kind of chase too. So, yeah, yeah, sure. we should connect while we're up there. I could throw, I got a mare. I could probably throw you on. Yeah, if you wanted to come and probably buck me off. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she she might, she won't mean it, but she yeah. might. Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be pretty awesome. But yeah, we'll we'll definitely stay in touch and we'll see if we can meet up when we're out there. But Sounds great. Well, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, Matt, definitely appreciate it. And uh, look forward to seeing some more of your horseback stories or following along. So, absolutely, man. You have a good one. Thanks Uh, so much. Yep.